Hello and welcome to Good Film Hunting, the podcast where two sisters living in different parts of the country talk about films from today, from their childhood, and today we have Annie in Chicago where it's a little bit colder than it is in LA. And our guest- It's not that cold, it's like 50 degrees. 50 degrees, okay, you're winning. Um, totally winning LA. And then in LA with us, we have our guest- Ariana Andrade. Hi. <laughs> so, Ariana, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Ha. Do you usually give like a lot of personal detail or mm. background? All okay. the personal detail. Tell us social, everything. Social security number, everything. Um, so, I am originally from the Bay Area. I got my bachelor's in Chicano and Chicano Studies. Uh, from UC Santa Barbara. I got my master's from USC in cinema and media studies, and I am a Selena aficionado, so this is really exciting. And so that brings up our movie <laughs> of the day is Selena, which I think I'm mispronouncing based on the way you just said uh-huh. it. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Selena? 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I move like that, too? I just feel like I have to. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, you can. Slash you did. Um, okay. So then, so we'll start talking about the podcast, uh, that particular, whoops, song in a minute. But what we normally start our podcast with is something from this past week in terms of, like, pop culture or news that has, like, really interested you or made you happy from this past week. Yeah, that's hard. Um, I mean, we're almost going on a more than a month of Beyonce's announcement that she's pregnant. So that carried you through a lot of February. I mean, I've come to terms with it. She's gonna give birth to two human beings. I did not buy Coachella tickets, so I would be super sad about mm-hmm. that announcement. Um, something good though. I did see this movie yesterday called My Blind Brother. It's got Nick Kroll and Adam Scott and Jenny oh, Slate so it's a comedy. and Zoe Kazan, and it like I cried tears of joy. It was so cute. Where? How did you see it? it Stars app, like okay. Stars on Demand, but uh, it was at Sundance or one uh, of those. Oh, okay. And I had heard some good things about it, but honestly, like I haven't felt that happy watching a movie in a long time. What is the premise? Uh, Adam Scott and Nick Kroll are brothers. Adam Scott is blind and super athletic, so he does a lot of, like, marathons and sports, and because he's blind and he can't see, he needs his brother, Nick Kroll, to kind of help him through. So if they run marathons, he has to run the marathon with him. Mm -hmm. If he um, does, like, a swimming marathon, he has to also train and do it with him. And then there's a love triangle between those two. I feel two like I and, need that in my life. And too. Jenny Slate. So it's, <laughs> it's cute. Oh my goodness. And you do love Jenny Slate. I do. So it's, I would recommend it. Also, I feel okay. like I need a blind sibling who's really good at sports to encourage me to be... Eleanor, really I can just encourage you. Annie, let's do you it. You don't need to be blind. <laughs> I will run at Bay to Bakers, Bay to Bleh, Bay to Breakers with you. Actually, I'm doing it. Like mentally, I've already signed up. Okay, well, let me know when you bu- book your tickets, because then I will book mine. What's Beta? Okay. Beta Breakers. It's in the Bay Area. It's like... It's fun. I mean, I'll watch you guys. <laughs> it's it's the end of May. Yeah. Oh, I get, like, it. I get it. A special guest. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say for my, like, pop culture element this week, it was something totally unexpected for me. So yesterday I went to this event called Saturday Morning Cartoons at Cine Family, which is this 
curated collection of cartoons from past and present, usually made on a theme, and then they have, like, endless uh, cereal bar. So it's, like, fun. They do it on Saturday mornings once a month. The theme yesterday was Monsters, which, like, normally is my jam. But then they had this cartoon that I guess is a contemporary cartoon, possibly on Cartoon Network, because, like, the children seem to know it. And it's called Making Fiends. And I'll have to show you the theme song because it's so funny because it's about this, like, little green girl who is, like, a ghost or something, and she's, like, really evil. And the whole song will lead you to believe, like, she's about to, like, turn the page and, like, become great because she's met this, like, really positive girl named Charlotte. And then it's, like, no, her whole plan is to, like, find a way to kill Charlotte. This is a cartoon? <laughs> it's a cartoon. <laughs> okay, and it's so funny. So we watched this part of it, and it's, it's the episode's entitled Toupee. And I honestly want to find it and send it to everyone. It's a very similar humor style to that children's book, like, You Took My Hat. I Want My Hat. Where's my hat? Do you know that book, Amy? But nobody no. is trying to kill somebody. Yeah, yeah right? Okay, it's really <laughs> funny. So, like, so what happens is, is in this episode, the toupee, is the, like, really nice girl comes up and, like, gives her teacher an apple. And then, like, the evil girl is like, oh, you give teachers presents? She's like, I will get a present for the teacher. So she goes and gets him a magical toupee. And then he, he puts it on. And then all of a sudden, like, the toupee is like, hey, handsome. And then we'll try to, like, instill confidence in him. And then attempts to... So he, like, builds – the toupee builds up in this guy the confidence because he obviously has a crush that he's, like, silent on. And he, like, doesn't have the confidence to talk like, – the teacher doesn't have the confidence to talk to this woman he has a crush on. So the toupee, like, puts in his head, like, I'm going to help you become a Swiss banker. And so then it goes into this, like, whole sequence about – like, a dream sequence with – that would end up with a banker being in Switzerland with this woman and, like – it's the yodel and stuff and it's so funny that sounds like a whole lot <laughs> and then it well the whole thing is in the debate like you can get all of this and more if you kill this student and so <laughs> it's sounding bad but it's really good it sounds very complicated yeah. I used to you know, like, it also Ren sounds like really dangerous so like um you're condoning killing of children here's what I hear finally I'm not the one who sounds like a monster on this um okay <laughs> So, my favorite pop culture thing of the week, I mean, I still I feel like I'm still kind of like riding high off of the Oscars envelope gate, and Ugh. truthfully, I'm very happy that the accountants got fired. And I know that sounds like really mean of me, but um, I feel like accounting firms, um, especially like the big four, they take themselves so seriously, and especially PwC having this like relationship with the Academy Awards, they've been patting themselves on the back for years, and they're freaking accountants! I'm sorry, they're accountants. Like, you're boring. You're Annie boring. Has a bad so, history with he, one accountant. I'm really glad. Wait, what? I was explaining that you have a history, a bad history with one accountant in particular. So that might be where some of the vitriol comes from. <laughs> so I do. I have a bad history with one accountant from PwC. <laughs> also tall, also male, also white. So maybe it's just like, yes, he got fired. No, but, but not that particular accountant. <laughs> They are kind of boring people. So I'm kind of glad that this guy was caught tweeting about Emma Stone, ugh, and got fired for it. Like, as he should have. Justice, man. Justice. I don't know why the woman got fired. She had nothing to do with it. But anyway. Mm-hmm. And she was a Latina woman in a big four accounting firm. And you're like, damn. 
Watching the yeah. Oscars, I realized, uh, like, I don't, I used to care a lot, but, like, I don't care at all <laughs> anymore. And I had this moment of, do you even like movies anymore? Because I feel like grad school sucked that out of me. Mm. But people at the party that we were at were very excited. <gasps> yeah. They call me practically crying once Moonlight actually won. Like, literally, listeners, Eleanor was like, I can't function. I don't know how to live anymore. And I was like, I... I do. You go to bed. <laughs> like, you get up tomorrow morning and you live. <laughs> well, no, what happened, Ariana was with me during the Oscars, and then we rewatched it once or twice, and then I came home, and Anne and I rewatched it. It was like, and I was so tired up until that point, and then I had all the energy in the world. It was nice to see the news cycle shift to something not politics related. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I enjoy. I I will thank the mix up for that. Yeah, it's incredible. But we're back. But we are back. We're back to business as usual. Oh, <laughs> okay. So on that note, what we so transitioning into this movie, Selena, which I will now say correctly yeah. at all times. <laughs> so give us a little bit of like a synopsis of Selena, and then particularly like why you selected it. Like, okay. Um, so if you ask any brown girl, even ones who were born after she had died, like they love Selena so much and it's, she's still super relevant. They just came out with a Mac line that like sold out in hours. And so when she died, I was six and they immediately released this movie right after because rumor has it, um, her, they were trying to do all these like lifetime kind of things. So her dad, which has he has been accused of capitalizing on her and her name and her brand. But he really quickly got together with Luis Valdez, who is basically like the godfather of Chicano cinema. He directed the film. He also did Zoot Suit Riots, which is mm. going on right now here in L.A. And Gregory Nava, who was also one of the godfathers yeah. of um, Chicano cinema. He did Mi Familia, El Norte. El Norte, which is a really important film. So they got together and made this film and released it like within the year. They casted Jennifer Lopez, and it was a big deal because she was Puerto Rican, not Mexican. Like, honestly, I, every night we would watch the news, like the Spanish-language news, and it was just revolved around this movie. This is the update on the movie. This is who they cast, like, every single day because she was just so impactful. Um, and I, like, honestly, like, watch this movie all the time. If it's on TV, I'm going to sit and watch it. It's just, it's, it resonates with me still. To this day, I can't watch the ending. Like, that white rose falls, and it's off. Because mm. I still cry. I'm 27, and I still cry every single time. Okay, so for people who haven't seen this movie, and, like, Anna, for example, had, when I talked to her about, like, the movie would be podcasting about, she was like, oh, I've never seen that. But she's like, all Latino girls love that movie. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I've never met a Latino who didn't talk about the movie. It's just Selena. Selena. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Even Michael just did a presentation on her with her Mac product. Like, they've never met a Latina. I mean, I, again, like, I loved her, and she's always been really respected within our community, but it wasn't until I did Chicano Studies at UC Santa Barbara that I began to see the impact of what she did. There's dissertations. Oh, there's a book, Selena Dodd. There's a book. That's definitely not how I pronounce it, either. <laughs> it's close, it's close. <laughs> but, like, there's just so, yeah, just reading about, studying this film, like, as a text in, in college and reading all these different think pieces or like articles about it it was fascinating because to me she's just selena like somebody who i love 
somebody who was routine I practiced to do at a talent show and then chickened out doing like right before, but that's, she's just so big, you know, her persona, her okay. legacy. So for people who might not know her life story or the story of the film, can you mm-hmm. give us a brief overview? Yeah. So she was a, I guess a singer, a performer. She had a band called Los Dinos, which was originally her dad, the name of her dad's band back in the day. And then he, they toured the country and then she just kind of like rose to the top with this band. And right as she died, she began to do the English crossover. So she had that song Dreaming of You and the other one that I'm forgetting. Um, and then she wasn't able to finish that English language album. So she did crossover right mm-hmm. before she died. And this movie... The movie is a crossover, yeah. realistically. Right, because it's, like, it's on TBS like all, or TNT mm-hmm. all the time. So it's just it's a story of her rise to fame. It, was, it happened really fast. Mm-hmm. Really fast. And it was really yeah. short. Really short, because she was what twenty four. Yeah, when she died. She was she was really young. Like she to, was very. We they have Selena nights at certain bars in like Boyle Heights and stuff, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna play all of Selena's songs." And honestly, like within two hours, there's nothing left to play because she didn't live that long. Her mm-hmm. discography isn't super huge. Mm-hmm. But the movie was just a way to let people see that rise, right? Because we only really saw Selena when she was making yeah. all those records. One of the things I enjoy so much about the movie, and this is also, like, I really enjoy Gregory Nava as a director, and I also love how he will take the same people and use them again and again and again. But mm-hmm. what's so phenomenal about this movie in so many ways is that Constance Marie does not age. Mm-mm. Ever. 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 And it makes me so jealous. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because she played beautiful. the mother in this, and you're like, what? Well, she had additionally auditioned for Selena's role. Really? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't realized that. And she got to like the final round and then they said, you know what, we're going to make you the mom. And then they made Selena, uh, Jennifer Lopez Selena. Okay. So my mom and I watched this movie together a while ago when we first were talking about doing this movie. And um, it was funny because like I knew what the movie was like generally about, but I didn't, I didn't really know how it ended. I didn't know who killed whom. I didn't know that she died and was, like, murdered, mm-hmm. but I didn't know who had done it, and um, my mom, I don't think, she knew the story, my mom knew the story, but I don't think she'd ever seen the movie, and so we were watching it together, and both of us at the end were just, like, devastated, and we were, like, she was so young, and, like, her life, it seemed like her life was just about to get to a place where she was, like, really, really, truly happy, and, like, her, she and her husband were so cute, like, and they had been through so much, you know, and I was like, wait, now, now, this mm-hmm. happens now, and it's not even, you know, it wasn't even a really, in my brain, it wasn't even that big of a spat, again, it's one of those things, it was over money, it was over money, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh my gosh, how, how senseless yeah. is that murder, it's anyway. Like, it was entirely senseless, like, and it is one of those things that, if it were not true, if someone were to put it in a movie, they would never believe it to be the case. Yes. Agreed. If you I would have thought it was, like, overdone Hollywood, like, Lifetime movie-esque to be, like, and at the end of the movie, we kill the pop star. You know? If you ask any, like, girl my age, where were you, or how did you find out when Selena died, like, they will go to that moment instantly. Like, I can, like, I was in the car, and they said it. I was like, but she wasn't, like, she wasn't sick. Like, I don't understand. So it, it was really hard, like, when it happened to, because, like, we didn't know any of this going on. Like, we, we only know it was about money because of the movie. Mm-hmm. To me, it was just like, hey, this lady shot Selena at a Motel 6. 
Mm-hmm. No, it's crazy. And the details of it are, like, it breaks my heart every single time. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he, she, like, shot her, and then Selena ended up, like, running away and, like, going into the lobby of the hotel, and, like, they had to call the ambulance because Yolanda had, at that point, barricaded herself in the truck. It was, it was yes. hard. It was so hard. Was I mean, even well, it was in the last few years that that, that actress died, and I remember mm-hmm. reading a biography about her and her. The, I forget that woman's name, but her biography is so interesting because I remember reading a quote about it. She had primarily played maids, mm-hmm. and this was like her one role that wasn't a maid. And then she was like, "Then I regretted taking it because like everyone in my community hated me because they like couldn't separate me from Yolanda for reals." Yeah. yeah. No, so it was fascinating. So she's like, I didn't win in Hollywood at all. And she'd been in hundreds of movies. Yeah. Hundreds. But it's like, it was she was always the maid. And then it was Yolanda, the murderer. Mm-hmm. It's also, yeah. And that, that's really sad for her. I mean, because, I mean, but, but what's interesting about the movie, so Ariana, you haven't, have you ever seen the end or you can't, you just can't watch no, the I end saw, in the last, like. I saw it. I, I've seen it, but. Just, like, as an adult, like, I don't want to go there. And I recently saw it with my roommate maybe a couple months ago. And I told her, I said, hey, you have to turn it off now. And she said, no, I'm going to watch it. And I just closed my eyes and I just sat there and, like, I could hear it going in the background. And I still cried. And I opened my eyes and my roommate is sobbing. (laughs) She's like, I don't remember it being this hard. But it's like, yeah, I just, that's something I choose not to watch anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's really, it's, it's really, it's really sad. Um... Okay. I thought that Jennifer Lopez did a good job. I mean, I was impressed with her acting in this movie because, I mean, and maybe this is me being someone who hasn't really seen her in a movie other than like The Wedding Planner or The um, Girl Next Door. Geely, wasn't that her movie with Ben Affleck? Yeah, mm-hmm. Geely, or I don't know how to pronounce that. Geely, Geely. There we go. <laughs> um, like I, I guess I haven't seen her in any movies. Other than that, so I was really, like, not expecting much, but I thought that she did a pretty good job. She was, like, um, she's, like, luminous in that mm-hmm. movie. Like, but and there's also so many scenes that are just so cute. Like, one thing, so there's the ending, which I always remember, obviously, but one scene that always sticks out to me so much is when she's, like, in Mexico City, and then they're interviewing her, and she, like, barely speaks Spanish, and she's, like, it's, like, muy awesome. And, like, that scene to me. And, like, J-Lo's, like, so cute when she does that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she captured, like, Selena was always super bubbly all the time. And she, again, was born in the United States. Um, so she was a Chicana. So her Spanish was Chicana Spanish, which is one of the most beautiful things to see. Because she would openly be like, hey, like, I don't know that word, so I'm just going to say it in English. And there were just hours of footage of her just trying to, like, she just she was so cute. And, like, you couldn't be mad at her. And so I think Jennifer Lopez did a good job of capturing that. Mm-hmm. For sure. And people quote that scene all the time. Love that scene. All the time. So... Miss Yanto Muy excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Ugh. I should, I should just start saying that all the time. I like it too. But I also love how she just had the confidence to do that because I remember in that movie it was like her dad and like another older man who were like, oh, we can't send you out there. Like they're going to hate you. The reporters are going to eat you alive. And she's like, no, I got this. And just like went out and like used her charisma, you know, personality to to turn them. And I was like, yeah, go get it, girl. Like you can do this. Don't listen to those old men who are telling you, you know, you can't because of a language barrier. You know, I I mean, I liked that. I was like, get it. Yeah, that was get it. That was mm-hmm. yeah. It's a, it's a great 
film and I think a big shift in like cinema about brown people because that to that point had been really male like it's called Chicano cinema for for a reason and mm-hmm. then to like have this huge like box office hit and to just be about Selena and how she crossed those barriers not just mm-hmm. like Tex-Mex to you know Mexico to the U.S. but gendered gendered barriers as well so in your mind have there been following up on that like Chicana films that have been like big box office successes or are we still kind of like waiting for that one or or there ones that are like that never hit like the big time in the same way that you wish they had I mean honestly I haven't seen any in a while I know they they try a lot like Devil Wears well no what is it Prada from Prada from Prada Donato which I really enjoyed it was cute it was really cute really cute Um, but I think the the reason this film was so big is because Selena already had that legacy built and they following. built yeah. on that. And it was the timing. No, it is interesting because, I mean, particularly in Los Angeles right now, there's such a discussion about, like, the lack of female representation behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And, like, it is true. In film school, there were, there were not many Latina women in cinema and media studies, but I felt like there was even less in the production fields. And I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so I actually, I mean, there were very, like, very little to the point that I, like, could email, I had emailed a production professor and was like, hey, do you have any names? And the list was, like, two. And mm-hmm. then I contacted them and then got in, in touch with them and talked about their experience. But it's really, it's, yeah, it's small. It's small. And then that, again, that goes into the larger issue of, it's so hard to get funding for films anyway, and, like, the these stories will get lost, and, like, it's hard. And even now, like, do we have any pop stars that are Latina, or embracing that identity in the same way that Selena did? Selena did? I don't think so. I, I mean, people could argue that J-Lo, because she can sell J-Lo. out, like, in Latin America in a second. She's selling out Vegas every mm-hmm. day. Um, Selena Gomez was famously named after. I know. I think that's so great. And Selena, and before Selena died, mm-hmm. she was named after Selena in 1992, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Yep. A lot of people have to change. I mean, again, we could argue that, like, you know, it's just the name or whatever. They did re-release some of Selena's songs with celebrities mm-hmm. attached to them, and she had redone one of Selena's songs. Really? Mm-hmm. Ugh, I'll need to look into that. A for effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's... I remember, yeah, and but it's hard because the rest of Selena's family were, like, her brother was a really good musician, but his career never took off in the same way. He actually had a big group called uh, the Cumbia Kings, so they, um, like, they did a lot of, because he was a great producer, as we saw in the film, and he, he's really good at doing that. He then got into, a, I guess, a tiff with one of the band members, and then they uh. split, um, and then there was the Cumbia All Stars, but he and his own, like he had his, he has his own little empire going. Well, what I thought was interesting, so I was reading um, like the trivia about this movie because like I got really into it. I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't know anything about this, and I know I love nothing more than things I know nothing about. So, I was reading the trivia, and the girl who played her sister mm-hmm. really, really wanted the role. And they, like, liked her, but they weren't sure. There were a couple other people. So she lied to the producers and said that she was a drummer 
And because, like, um, then they found out, they like, cast her, and then she was like, ha actually, I don't know how to play the drums, <laughs> but I still really want to be in this movie. And so Selena's actual sister taught the actress how to play drums. She's like, this woman is obviously so committed to, like, being in this movie and playing this role that, like, I will help her get there. So I was like, that's so cool I didn't that, know that. The family was so involved in the production so much so that like she taught the actress how to how to be a drummer i mean i knew um, they were on set every day but suzette she's uh, she's super involved in like selena stuff now like she was the one that kind of headlined the makeup project but that doesn't surprise me that also like i couldn't tell she wasn't a drummer i don't know anything about music but she looked mm-hmm. pretty good to me mm-hmm. yep i just thought that was like the funniest story that this actress was like so desperate to have this role that she would lie and just be like, yeah, I don't play drums now. And she killed it. She's so funny and she's so, like, charismatic. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eleanor, is it time for radical honesty? Yes. Let's be radically honest. Okay. What do I want to be radically honest about? I feel like I have a lot of things on my chest. Are you radically <laughs> honest about the movie or just, like, in general? Life. Oh, okay. It can be, like... A complaint, this is a safe space, which is like... A safe space that you're going to put on the internet. That we put on the internet. And we don't allow us to judge ourselves. Yes. I mean, here's the thing is, like, I feel, for me, my moment of radical honesty is my, like, peak annoyance at flake... I've reached peak annoyance with flakiness, and it's hard because, like, for for a while now, I've been listening to, like, jokes about how, like, oh, like, L.A. is, like, the flakiest city. And I've been like, you know what I mean? Like, you can argue against anything or you don't see things you don't want to see. And then all of a sudden when your veil is lifted and you're like, damn, now I feel a fool. That's how I feel right now. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. That was, like, very violent. Cool. Okay. Um, okay, my radical honesty, um, oh gosh, there's so much, no, but okay, so, like, there's this women's protest, like, a day without women on Wednesday, and I'm, like, all for it, but my, I guess my radical piece of honesty is, like, I'm not sure that I will, or that I would ever, not go to work. And I think, I don't know if that says more about me, like about being a woman and feeling like I have to go to work, you know, or uh, like my personal work ethic. But, um, like I saw it and I was like, yes, yes. Like women should totally do this, but like, I'm not going to do it. And, I, and so I'm kind of like grappling with that. Yeah. But then it, it is hard. I, it's, it's interesting you bring up the point like, oh, is it like being a woman that I think of all that? Cause for me it is too, the practicalities. I was like, oh, but that puts everyone else at such an inconvenience. And I'm like, yeah, this, that's the point. I think, uh, it's always hard with those kind of, let's not go to work to show the economic impact of whatever, which is a good point. Like I totally agree. But similarly, we have the day without immigrants, right? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of people, like, they need that money to live. Like, they need that money to feed their family. So there is sometimes the the pull to go to work is stronger than the pull to not go to work. And I totally understand and get if you choose to go to work. Because, I mean, also, you've got responsibilities. You've got things you, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you work hard for that stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I had this thought. I'm like, you know what? I teach young women. And, yes, I want to, like you know, do this for them, but at some point, like, is me not being there gonna hurt them? You know, like... Yeah, you gotta, you gotta work with an E. Yeah, 
Work. Work with an E. I like that. Doesn't Can kind of work. Yeah. Also, like, I have a sidebar really mini radical honesty that I want to share that I just thought of. I found out yesterday McDonald's has chocolate shamrock shakes, and so I had one, and it was fabulous. And I know I should feel guilty about it, but I'll probably get another before the St. Patrick's Day. So that'll be Wait, like, why would you feel guilty? Because, like, well, stop there. Stop there. No guilt. No, no but it's like because theoretically I gave up candy for Lent because true story, Ariana's my witness. I just eat way too much of it at the it's office. It's the office environment, I feel like. Yeah, there's I like, never used to eat M&M's. I know. I'm Wait, like, okay. Can I have another moment of mini radical honesty just like Eleanor? Apparently we do have a lot to get off our chest. No, girl. I am currently obsessed with radical honesty. I don't drink coffee. Um, but I've just kind of started to because I am obsessed with Starbucks and how responsible of a company it is. The CEO, like, grew up in a single-parent household. Like, his mom never was able to hold down a job, so they never had health benefits. So did you know the Starbucks as a company, if you work 20 hours a week, so only part-time, you and all your dependents get full health care benefits? Amazing. I'm sorry. That's what responsible corporate management looks like. And I'm all supportive. Go Starbucks. Annie has, like, shifted in coffee a lot recently because of the Bay Area, because she had Phil's coffee, and it, like, changed and her life. Changed. Phil's coffee. I mean, I've just been drinking the shitty coffee at work, mm. and then I had a cup of Starbucks, oh, and I was you, like... you, like, lost it. I was like, oh, this is what, this is what dreams are made of, and then, like, the Liz McGuire's. <laughs> <laughs> you were, like, super into that it coffee. It was so good, so I support... And see, and I don't feel guilty now because they offer health insurance for everybody. Yeah. It's a part-time. It's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So what is your moment of major or mini radical honesty? Major medical radical honesty. Um, I've been spending a lot of time because uh, they just got health insurance, so now I can go to the doctors. But Friday I went after work, and I'm sitting there, and like there's one other person in the waiting room, and I had checked in at 7.40. It was like now 9.20, and they forgot to add me to... <gasps> Oh my god! Like the rotation <gasps> list, so I was like, "Hey, like nobody's even taken my vitals yet." <laughs> so Pasadena Kaiser Urgent Care, not cool. <laughs> Zero stars. Zero stars. No, it is. It's. I would. It's terrible about moments like that. Is you don't want to be the person who it's is like, like yeah. overly mm-hmm. being like, "Hey, like I'm sorry," because I've had to deal with those people, and usually they're the worst. But it's hard when like someone is not doing their job. Yeah. I didn't want to be that person. And then my mom was like, you should just, because I was texting. She's like, you should just go. And sure enough, like her face, she was like, okay, they're going to call you next. But I could see her clicking and like oh see gosh. the panic in her face. Like, oh, you straight up forgot to put me on there. Mm-hmm. Also, I accidentally ate meat on Friday. It's okay. Because I, I went to Starbucks and I had like a sausage egg sandwich. I was like, oh God, this is delicious. But then at lunch, our boss had offered me a piece of pepperoni pizza. And I said, no, 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 it's Friday, no meat. But it, I didn't put the dots together until oh I was like, oh, you already had meat, dummy. Like, yeah, like, you should just give up now. <laughs> just call it quick. That's so funny. Uh, but like, I didn't acknowledge. I just, it was just so good that I was too good. I had fish for lunch. Like, I had, you did well. You did well. Up until that point. All right. So, in our final moment, and I think this will not be surprising, but we ask, like, would you recommend this film, Selena, to the youth of today? Yes. Particularly girls, and why? Yes, I would recommend it because she is a super important figure, Um, like, there's murals of her everywhere, and she was the, again, like, she crossed those barriers, not just, like, 
professionally, but gender-wise, mm-hmm. her impact and her legacy lives on. And she was also a good person. She did a lot for charity. I think she's a good role model. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people have issues with this film and like the politics of it, but I would recommend it, especially uh, for people who don't know who she is. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, I would recommend that. I would even go... I would say, like, even as an intro into the films of Gregory Nava, which, like, I would absolutely recommend. I think everyone should see El Norte no matter what. Yeah, that movie. I mean, it's rough. It's rough. But, like, it's so important. It's important. important. And it's crazy because that movie's what? From, like, 1982 or 1983. Mm -hmm. And it is just as relevant today. For real. If not, I mean. Even more so. And it is, uh, because I did a report on it for one of our graduate studies classes. And it is in, like, the Congress of. Oh, yeah, the uh, the Library of Congress. Like, yeah, import, or, reg- yeah, yeah, their films. Along with Boys in the Hood, which... Makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. But or even, like, Mi Mif- Mif- Familia, I, like, is also so interesting. Like, it's this idea of, like, epic film, which we've kind of fallen away from. Mm-hmm. In the contemporary era, it does hold its place. Like, I, I'm also, like, I love epic historical films. And part of me was, even last week in the Oscars... Okay, moment of mini radical honesty in this little moment. It's like, I want to see Hacksaw Ridge. Because <laughs> I think I'll really like it. Um, and I feel bad about that. But I absolutely do think this is a film that kids can also see, like, relatively young. Like, I don't, in terms of, like, a minimum age base, I don't think kids would have to be that old to see it either. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the kissing part always makes me feel weird. And then I hear that song. What song is it? I don't know. But every time I just think of that. Because I was, like, six when I saw this movie. And I was like, yeah. ew. Kissing. <laughs> but then um, her husband released a book about her and, like, their relationship a lot later. And it turns out they were doing a lot more than kissing. So I'll take that. It's <laughs> like, I don't want to know that about her. Yeah, right. right? Like, keep her sainted. <laughs> and he is coming out with a TV show about her. Really? Mm-hmm. Chris Perez is making a TV show, which has now caused a rift in the family, so yeah. they are no longer talking to Chris. What is the TV show going to be about? Her li- their life and, like, their love romance or whatever. And he's still very much in love with her. Like, he'll post about her every once in a while on Facebook, and it breaks my heart. Okay. It hurts. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so fast. Uh, so, so sorry. Fast. Um, I think that I would recommend young women to see this movie um because i think that the main driving force in this movie is selena like and i hope that that was true in her life too is like she felt something like she she loved chris and she wouldn't let her dad or her family get in the way of that and so it's like she has a lot of agency which i think is important for all young women to see another another woman having agency so yeah i think that i mean i think that this story is devastating um but it's it's really good, yeah, and it's it's interesting because I thought so. I could kind of draw parallels to to this movie and especially the end scenes when they actually show people mourning Selena and like their real images. And then you, I kind of brought me back and like I love Evita, I love that movie. But how like Ava Perone is like not that great of a <clears throat> like role model. And, like, juxtaposed with Selena, who was, like, a good role model, who, who you know, and, and how, I don't know, I just thought that was interesting, because they had very similar images of, like, these women, people mourning these women after they died in those movies. No, I, I think it's great that you took that away from the film, that she had a lot of agency, because a lot of the critique, especially from, like, Chicana scholars, is that she had no agency. 
which I always oh, found really? really hard to like understand because it was like her oh, dad. Like her dad. That would, but like she got out on that stage and she like performed when it was going to collapse. She went out and did the press conferences. She was the one performing. Like she married Chris, even though the dad told her not to. So it's this idea that she lived within, like men, like men dictated her decisions or were her motivation. I guess. Like, I yeah. Like, I didn't get that. That is interesting. But there are tons of articles that say that. Alright, that... I choose, okay. I choose to ignore it. I agree with Annie. <laughs> ignore. <laughs> I'm really the foremost scholar on everything, so everyone should listen to me. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, it was enjoyable. Okay, so we should wrap up this wonderful episode. This was great. I love that we finally got to talk about this. Um, but we usually end with talking about where in the world we'd want to go right now. Should we have a choice? I miss my dog, so I would go to the Bay Area. <laughs> I mean, sure, I'd like to see my mom and my dad, too, but, like, I really miss my dog. <laughs> so, That's fair. That's fair. So just, like, eight hours up. I wouldn't go see an animal, but <laughs> eh, we do what we can. Well, okay, so right now, one of the books I'm reading is called Happy City, and it's about urban design, and it's all about, like, maximizing cities and architecture to find like the ultimate kind of method of life and like a kind of a history of city life in it focuses primarily on the western world but it it does kind of go across um but it the author is from Vancouver and he talks so much about Vancouver and I'm really excited because I am going to Vancouver at the end of the month, but I just want to go there, like, right now as I'm reading this book. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes with me, like, I read a lot, and I worry that even, like, two weeks after I've read something, I forget about it, and I want to, like, be there and see what he's writing about as I'm reading it. Can't you just Google it? Yeah, it's not the same. I, I'm, like, very much a, like, hands-on learner in the sense that, like... I didn't understand, and I studied history, like, I didn't understand the Pacific War until I was, like, in Malaysia, and I was like, oh, like, this is where the Japanese marched, and this is why people don't like the Japanese here, is because, like, this is an entire cemetery. Like, it only, like, this is terrible, but, like, that is when it clicks for me. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. You do travel a lot, and I do admire that about you, so it's worth it. (laughs) But it's possibly only because that's the only way I learn. You gotta do what you gotta (laughs) do. Okay. Um, This is going to get really dark here for a sec, but I have started teaching the Holocaust with my students, and it's my favorite unit to teach every year to fifth graders because fifth graders really, um, fifth graders really feel injustice and they really like don't understand like every single year they're like how did the world let this happen and I'm like yeah that's how you should feel like we should be that upset about this and I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it for you because there's nothing to sugarcoat like this was terrible Mm -hmm. um but I have been talking a lot this past week about like um like Auschwitz in particular but just like all the concentration camps and I I've been able to travel like pretty widely which is awesome and I can usually bring those experiences into the classroom and give like firsthand to my students like give them information and tell them things but this is a this is a part of my like experience that um I I, like don't have I've never been to um a concentration camp so I would love to I think like right now if I could choose I would go to a place like Auschwitz or Dachau or um 
some of the other ones, just to just to get a feel to like be able to impart that to my students, if that makes sense. Um, we should plan a trip to go visit Meredith in Munich because that's like a very yeah. short train ride to go to to go to Dachau. Yeah, I really want to one time soon. Um, but anyway. Little dark to end it, but it's all good. On the Holocaust. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as people who truly every single day are, like, talking about the Holocaust and survivors. and Every single day. But, yeah. We also have a program we can introduce you to to help you teach. (laughs) (laughs) I can send you lessons on lessons on lessons. (laughs) Well, I mean, you already do, and we're already using some of it, but, like, we... You have to tell me when you use it, and then also so... Truly, and this will be like very self-promoting, but you can get your profile up on the website. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want that. That's like a lot. I mean, I already do a podcast. Why not just have pictures of me everywhere? To be honest, Annie, a man would not say no. <laughs> a man? Yeah. What man are we talking about? <laughs> Self-promotion. <laughs> I, okay, anyway, you know what? I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.